0: Welcome to Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. We're so glad that you are listening with us today, and we hope that this message is a blessing. Good morning. Uh, a couple kind of housekeeping things. I know, do, uh, based on the Redeemer dress code, I'm a little overdressed, okay? Uh, but I lost my mom about 10 years ago. And I hear her somewhere saying, Hey, if you're gonna stand up in front of church, you may wanna put on a nice shirt and a jacket. So that's a shout out to mom. Uh, and, and, and also, some of you know the world is ending. Uh, some of you know my wife, Jody. Uh, Jim talked to uh, you about her. She's the smarter, wiser, prettier, more knowledgeable uh, Thomas in our little Thomas family and, and Cole. And so uh, Jody uh, heads up our women's ministry here at Redeemer, and uh, I could not do what I'm doing without her. Hey, a a, a couple other things to kind of get us started. I'm going to go ahead and apologize to you on the backside. You probably sat in the right place, uh, but you're not going to see my face much, most likely, uh, because I know I work at a racetrack, and I know I'm used to turning left, but going left on this day, talking to you, I may pass out. So I don't want to do that. And I also have been told that, hey, typically a new speaker... Uh, When they're speaking in church, and I'll say uh, this is one of my new times here, uh, they put you in a low attendance day. They put you on maybe a holiday. And uh, I'm really glad to see you guys, uh, but I was really hoping and praying that you would have extended your July 4th holidays maybe just (laughs) one more week. Uh, But it looks like a lot of people showed up anyway. Hey, others have stood here over the last few weeks, and they have said, what an honor it is to be here and to open the scriptures and have an opportunity to, to share a few things. And I would say, I agree. What a great honor. I was, I was asked weeks and months ago that, uh, hey, would you have any interest in speaking? Thanks, Jim Fickley. And as an elder, I said, sure, I guess. I don't know, Maybe. And then about a few weeks later, Jeff Martin texted me and said, hey, man, uh, you're on deck for July 10th. So I grabbed my phone and immediately texted back to him, I think I want to throw up. (laughs) And he was more than kind, as Jeff typically is, and he said, uh, hey, man, you got this. Just think it's one big, long announcement, you know? (laughs) And so I want to go ahead and apologize to you. So I'll ask that uh, you'll be praying for this morning as we open Scripture. And if it seems like the message becomes one long run-on sentence or just one big announcement, I'll feel free to bow your head, say a little prayer. I'll thank you for praying for me, which is good. And uh, I'll get you out to Barb's here in just a little while. So let me pray for our time as we uh, go to it. But uh, as we get through that, I want you. Find your Bible, find your device. We're going to be opening up Luke 19, 1 through 10. Let us pray. O King of glory, we welcome you here today. We ask for your presence. You're mighty and you're great. All of us here come with something in our hearts and minds that can weigh us down, Lord. So calm us, calm me. Let us find a moment to breathe if just for a few minutes to hear you. Today is not about us, it's not about our agenda, our fame, today is about you. So we ask you to come, open our hearts to your word and may you give us a deeper and fresh encounter as we stretch to catch a glimpse of who you really are. It's in your name, above all names, the one who saves we pray, amen. To the ones who are new here today or visiting, whoever tricked you to be here, I'm sorry but hopefully we'll all get something out of it today. Open up your Bibles, uh, Luke 19, 1 through 10, and I'm gonna read this to get us started. Verse one, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Hey, what I'm gonna try to do here is I'm gonna go kind of verse by verse. I'm gonna read a verse. I'm gonna try to give you a little background on it. I'm gonna read another verse. I'll give you a little colored commentary on that. And so what we're going to kind of do is jump in and just kind of go verse by verse. But hey, I'm going to admit to you, not sure if you're like me, but over the years, I've had a tendency to read the Bible in chunks. If you open your Bible, you'll see those bold headings over a paragraph, you know, just kind of open it up. I read from bold paragraph to another bold paragraph, and a lot of times I'll have a tendency to miss the bigger story. We, we all know, or at least we've heard, that the bigger story is always about Jesus. So I'm going to give you a little background of where we are in the text by backing up and looking at Luke 17 and 18. I'm going to blow through some of this in hopes that refreshing memories and getting caught up. So on chapter 17, verse 11, it says, It tells us that Jesus and his disciples are passing through Samaria and Galilee. Most of you know or have seen the shape of the land of Israel. It's kind of a long and skinny piece of land. And at the top, is kind of, a, if this is the land of Israel, I know, stay with me, the top is Galilee, the middle section's Samaria, down around my elbow, let's call that Judea. And so it says they're passing through Samaria and Galilee. They're on, he's on the way to Jerusalem. He's obviously walking, be sharing stories, doing a few parables, doing a few healings, and he's telling of his future along the journey. In the next couple of chapters, there's a lot happening here. Not to make light of what's going on, but let me tell you quickly, Jesus is busy. He's busy cleansing a few lepers, talking about unworthy servants. He tells the disciples of the coming days of the kingdom, which basically got a big, huh? In chapter 18, he will be speaking of the Pharisee and the tax collector, this is where he calls the children to himself. Remember this Bible story? In verse 17, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he also shares a story about the rich ruler. Luke is purposeful in telling Jesus' story when it comes to money and the rich. Let me read this section. Chapter 18, verse starting halfway through that section, verse 22 When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Impossible. Big camel. Small needle. Can you imagine being in that group? Can you imagine how it stirred everybody up? Then who can enter the kingdom of God? Chapter 18 closes with Jesus telling of his death. For the third time and healing a blind man as he approaches the city of Jericho. Whew, that's a lot of little Bible stories that we've heard about in Sunday school in two chapters. So let me read where we're at in chapter 19. It gets us up to 19. Let me remind you a couple things of this. This is at the height of Jesus' ministry. He is moving towards Jerusalem. He's got people gathering coming around, wanting to hear what he's got to say, he's doing it. Verse 1, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Let me give you a few details on Jericho. We've heard about it. It's commonly known as the oldest city in the world. Jericho is in the southern region of Judea. Remember the elbow? Still probably not the right analogy, but stay with me. It's a historical, cultural, and political center located northwest of the Dead Sea, and I didn't realize that it's only about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. It is said that Jericho was nicknamed the City of Palms due to the numerous fragrant palms throughout the city. Even Herod the Great built his winter palace there in Jericho. It was the home to the rich and powerful. Visually, I imagine somewhere like Palm Springs, California. Politically, I'd imagine somewhere like L.A., Los Angeles. If there was a TV show being shot named The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous Israel Style, it would have been shot in Jericho. Moving along, verse 2. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Let's look more at who Zacchaeus was. It says he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He is very well known, most likely politically involved due to his livelihood, and he was hated and despised throughout the city. You see, he he owned the tax franchise from the Romans for the city of Jericho, which meant he probably had the biggest in the area. It was like a giant pyramid scheme. He had other tax collectors. It all fed up to him, and he was the biggest benefactor. Interesting, he was also a Jew, and he was making a living off the backs of his people. So it was a big Roman shakedown, right? Did I say that he was hated for this? Verse 3, it says, He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. I think this is funny. I mean, really? Luke? I mean, How small did he have to be be, to be pointed out how small he was? And did Zacchaeus ever know that Luke wrote about him this way in the forever word of God, that he's that small? Uh, In in my readings, in my study, I I had somebody said that the average height of a man during these times in the land of Israel, based on skeletal remains, is about five foot five. That's short already, right? I so to be called short in the forever word of God, he was short. <laughs> I'm thinking like four foot nine, Danny DeVito's short. So verse 4. So he ran on ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, and he was about to pass that way. Let's think about the realities of the moment. Jesus and his people walking through the streets of Jericho, a city of wealth, intellect, curiosity. People have heard about this teacher and were gathering around him much like a parade to see what he may do or say. From what their vantage point was, a celebrity had come to their city. The verse says Zacchaeus ran on ahead. He ran on ahead because he was short, right? He couldn't see. But he also, no one was letting him in. This big crowd who knew him and hated him was knocking him out of the way. And Zacchaeus knew this. He understood the tone of the moment, and that did not keep him away. I picture him getting elbowed out of the parade line and being sent on. And then this grown man, who was a leader in the area, an entrepreneur, smart, one of the wealthiest in the city, no doubt, who was probably very careful with how he presented himself and how he appeared. Climbed a tree. Kids climb trees. Not adults, especially in this time. Not one in this culture. Not, with, not one with his standing. So why? Why would he climb a tree? What would lead him to do this? I, I think it may be possible that he thought he needed to know who was entering his city. Especially if they're famous. Maybe. Possibly the word got out through his network of tax collectors regarding the Pharisee and the tax collector from that other chapter. You know, I know they don't live it that way, but maybe it got to him. Or maybe he heard about the camel and the eye of the needle thing, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to have entered the kingdom of God. Maybe Zacchaeus wanted to hear that for himself because he was wealthy, extremely wealthy. Because let's not forget, Zacchaeus, he was a Jew. He knew the law. I'm gonna assume he had parents that were also Jewish. I'm gonna assume and imagine that his mom and dad, old mom and dad, they're probably saddened by his choices, his son's choice of work. Why would I say that? Well, the name that his parents gave him, Zacchaeus, you know what it means? It means pure and innocent. Names mean something, especially during this time. And he was not living up to his name. Could it be that Zacchaeus was troubled, regretful of his decisions? Uh, Maybe maybe he had started a career when he was a younger man and just kind of doing one thing and, and he started doing more and the next thing you know, he's really good at it. And then he wakes up one day and he's the chief tax collector and he goes... How did I get here? Those are all my assumptions. There's no commentary that I read that in. It's just me making stuff up. So just give me some grace in that. But he was a man, and we've got to put the heart of a man in him. This is not a cute little story that we all sang, most of us sang, stories about the wee little man in a tree. Remember that, Sunday school? This is a story about a man who has all the world has to offer, A nice house, enough food. If he would have had a car, he would have had a nice one, and it would probably have come with a driver. So this is a story about a man seeking to learn more about a guy named Jesus. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus looked up. He noticed him in a tree, and he called him down, don't miss this, in front of everybody. For I must stay at your house today. There are a few times throughout Luke that Jesus says the word must. Luke 4.43, I must preach the good news. Luke 9.22, the Son of Man must suffer many things. Luke 24.7, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, And be crucified on the third day, rise. So when Jesus said must, what did it mean? It meant must. He's going to do it now. It's going to happen. So it's like he looks at Zacchaeus and says, Come on down. You're the next contestant on the. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? It was with great excitement that Jesus called him down. It It is as if he said, I see you, Zacchaeus, no matter what. I see you with all your past. I see you with all your messiness, your lies, your regrets, your thievery. And even in all your shortness, I see you. And I want to spend time at your house today. What in the world, right? How unlikely, how unlikely that this man would point him out of a crowd. how do he know his name? Well, he, he is God, right? All knowing. But I think it may be a little bit more natural than that. I, I think it could have been possibly, again, give me some freedom, that as they were walking, maybe he heard the crowd say, here's that Zacchaeus, get him out of here. He's not welcome here. Zacchaeus, go on. Get him out of here. We hate that guy. He's a thief. Maybe they said, there that tax collector is. I don't know. But why did Jesus choose him, and why his house? Well, no doubt Zacchaeus had a nice place, right? No doubt he had plenty of food and good drink for his crew and lots of room to spread out. And if we remember who Jesus is, Jesus loves a party, right? So maybe he wanted to go there. But what I like to think about in this is the, is the hospitality of Jesus. In this culture, to be invited to someone's house means that they are inviting you into their life to accept friendship. I want to I know you more. Meals were not drive-through occasions. They were slow gatherings where conversation flourished and the time was not hurried. We all probably believe we have a working definition of hospitality, to welcome a guest well, right? To serve. But I do believe we know when we have experienced true hospitality. It is comforting, soothing, encouraging, dare I say even safe and therapeutic to the soul. Can you imagine for a moment what it was like eating a meal with Jesus in your home. What comes along with being in the presence of Jesus? What does it feel like? What are you going to take away? Verse six, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, the people. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Can you hear it? And again, Jesus, being Jesus, a little full of surprises, typically typically the standard is in this culture, important people stay with important people, right? They, they, they go to the, to the homes of the local elite, well, the well-standing in the community, the, the leaders, not tax collectors. Don't overlook this part in this verse. Uh, Jesus called the most undesirable out of the tree in front of a crowd who hates him, and said to him, I'm coming to your house. And Jesus took on the anger of the people instead of letting Zacchaeus be the point of their anger. Interesting to see because isn't this what Jesus does? Doesn't he take on our own pain? Didn't he he take on our judgment? Also, maybe a little foreshadowing for the few chapters ahead in Luke. Verse eight, and Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. There's a lot of commentary conversation in this, and I could spend a lot more time on what that really looked like from a a level of money. Just know it was a lot. But, But I believe this happened not immediately right there. I believe this may have happened after quite a bit of reading in this. I personally believe this was said over dinner. I believe maybe after hours of being in the presence of Jesus. This is not a sleepover, but a saving kind of fellowship. You know, what we've heard about Jesus, in his presence, there's no fear, no condemnation. There's joy in the presence of the Lord. There's life in his presence. I believe over the meal, there was laughter. Can you imagine I imagine that Jesus, either in his words or expressions with Zacchaeus in that group that he's with, called Zacchaeus to something greater. And then I believe Zacchaeus stood up and he said, I believe. I believe about you, Jesus. I heard about you. But now I believe. And so, why the giving? Why the big giving? Because he was changed. He was converted. He did not have to give to get favor from Jesus. He gave because Jesus saved him, changed him. In verse 9, says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the house since he is also the son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to save the lost. This may be so common in our busyness and in our kind of religiosity of how we sometimes read the Bible that we... We miss it or, or, or glaze over it. But let me reinforce, hey, uh, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus does the seeking. Unless God initiates and reveals himself, we could not know who he is. Tim Keller said this, uh, Jesus did not come to make you nice, but he came to make you new. Uh, He referenced a quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity that I'll read. God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to, to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature to be different. Let's go back to chapter 18 for a moment. You know, the impossible the rich man, the camel, the eye of the needle thing. These people, remember, these people were traveling with Jesus, his disciples, this group, eating with Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, meeting this guy named Zacchaeus with Jesus, who was hated in his community. They just experienced the impossible. We just witnessed the impossible. We just witnessed the camel going through the eye of the needle. The camel in our story is Zacchaeus, the man who had power, money, riches beyond his need, right? Who needed nothing, was pointed out of a crowd, out of a tree, and he was found. And what everybody else said was impossible with man is possible with God. I also think it's very interesting that that whole come to me as a child thing back in 18, right? Climbing a tree. So are you in a tree? Hmm. I've been in trees. I've been in trees a lot. Is life pressing in all around? Does your circumstances today seem impossible? Are you in a corner hoping that no one will really see you? We all have something going on, and your tree may look a lot like depression, divorce, addiction, parenting failures, health concerns. The list can go on and on. I've lived most of my life guys uh, doing the right thing, trying to check that box. This is what a Christian looks like, right? Do the right thing. Be the good boy. Know the rules. And through this journey and over the last few years, I I, I have come to realize and still coming to realize and still at times struggle to realize that Jesus really wants to spend time with me. That he's calling me out of a tree that he wants to come to my house. So I want to encourage us all with saying, hey, he's calling your name too. He sees you right where you're at. You know what he's saying? He's saying, come down. Jim. Jody. Cole. Come down, JT, for I must come to your house today, to your apartment today, to your patio today. I want to come to your dorm room today, guys. I'll even come to your closets today. I want you to know me more. So what? So you've got a worship guide there, and I I hope that you'd, Flip it over to a section, and and I hope that you would take a moment to write down something. It may be I'm tired. <laughs> uh, it may be your lunch order. But I hope it has something to do with uh, maybe you need to come down today. Uh, maybe maybe it's the revelation that, hey, he knows my name, and he wants to spend time with me. Maybe there's a call to action for you that... I, that uh, there's something more to be said or a question to be asked. You may be feeling a tug today to make some kind of decision. Maybe this is all new to you, and, and uh, you're saying, Jesus, I hear you. I, I, I see you too. Uh, you may have been coming for weeks or months or years, hanging out in the corners, the proverbial up the tree, looking down, trying to figure out if this Jesus stuff is real. Let me say it again. He came to seek and save the lost. He wants to spend time with you. If you don't take anything else out today, he wants to spend time with you. He loves you like crazy. Jesus is all about making outsiders insiders. And for the ones who say, I, I've messed up, uh, I hope that I can chase you with this, that... Uh, You can't make yourself bad enough to be beyond the reach of the gospel. For others, if you know Jesus, think of this. The means in which he seeks and saves the lost is you and me, Christ in us, right? It goes with our mission to enjoy Christ, love his friends, and engage our world. This is a process I find it interesting that if you continue reading in chapter 19, the Zacchaeus story happens just right in front of Jesus in his triumphal entry to Jerusalem. He sends the colt, right? He goes in the, in the synagogue and turns the tables over. He weeps over Jerusalem. All oh, that's right here, guys. That's not, that's not weeks later. That's, that's just a few days later right after all this group that's been traveling with him, after all this, all these people have seen the impossible, have seen the impossible with God as he's on the way to the cross. I'm, I'm, it brings up a curiosity to me, and we don't have it written down, at least I don't think it is, but I'm curious about what was left behind in Jericho as Jesus was going to Jerusalem. That here was... Zacchaeus, right? Giving money away. Going door to door. A changed man. Being able to say, Hey, let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. We'll probably never know the the life impact of what that really did. I I also wonder, this is fresh in their ears as the word gets back 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem about Jesus going to the cross. I wonder what they thought. I wonder what that meant. We're gonna start moving towards communion and there's communion in the back corners and and, uh, feel free to do that as a family or the group or your your small group or your community. But God's got something for you today and he wants to be with us. I want you to know that he loves you. And in this time of communion, if you feel like you've got a question or you want somebody to pray with or, hey, you're ready to kind of step out of your tree, there's going to be some people over in that corner that's going to be praying and hanging out or grab one of us or whatever that looks like. But I want to encourage you, before you leave today, know that you're loved. So I'm going to pray for us, and I'll pray for our communion, and we'll, you can be dismissed to the tables let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to be here today. It is not in our own strength. It is because you are seeking us. We wouldn't know you unless you revealed yourself to us. Lord, we we thank you because we're reminded today and we long for this that We want to be in your presence. We want you in our home. We want to have a meal with you because in your presence, there is fullness of joy. There is hope in your presence, Lord. There's no depression in your presence, Lord. There's no sickness in your presence. There is abundant life in your presence. And So, Lord, we're praying for abundant life. And, Lord, as we're reminded in this story that uh, you were on the way to Jerusalem. You were on the way to the cross. And so, Lord, as we pause and take time to move towards communion, this, this cracker and this juice, this wafer and uh, your blood, we, we, we recognize that this is from you, your, your body broken, your, your blood spilled And uh, for us. So, Lord, we give you glory and honor. We ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you will burn deeply in us and let us know your full love for us. In your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in learning more about us, you can check out our social media or website. Grace and peace to you.